Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel of our choice. I'm your host, Anne. I'm Lexi. And we have a special guest today. Um, Dallas could not make it. Something, something, cowboy stuff in New York. Um, but we are so, so fortunate to have Erica Zana from Geek is Playing Cop. Oh my god. Geek Explained Podcast with us today. Eric, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dallas finally let me out of the cloning farm to be part of this. So I'm really, really excited. He lent me his cape. Yeah. I, you know, I actually heard that Dallas is trapped in Murder World right now. So it's just, you know. What we, I mean, isn't it rumors. above Brooklyn? <laughs> it's not about, it, yeah, no, That's honestly. That's where he lives. Go that find is a him. good point. <laughs> how how dare you reveal his location? <laughs> yeah, <of all laughs> this could be so easy to find him now. It, it's that Riddler meme. It's like nice point, but the problem is I'm inside your home. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, well, we're so glad to have you here. Miss you, Dallas. But I'm hoping you're enjoying listening to this. Um, and we're going to do our best to make you proud. And probably make fun of you a bit along the way, because we love you. Um, Yeah, but today's episode, we're not just shit-talking our best friend Dallas. Today's episode, we are covering the book Hellions from this recent Krakoa era of X-Men by the fantastic Zeb Wells, Stefan Zagovia, and David Curiel. So, for anyone who doesn't know and hasn't read the book yet, you definitely should. It's a really easy read. What was it, like 18 issues? Yeah, Yeah. wonderful issues. Oh yeah. If it's such an easy read, get through it just a couple days. It's so worth your time. One of the best books of the Kokoa era, in my opinion. And it's basically, I described it as the Suicide Squad, but sexy. And yeah, that is that is about what we're dealing with here. I would like to turn it over to both of you. What do you think? Okay, first, um, what has your experience been with the characters in the Hellions book so far? And what did you think about their use in this series? I will have I will be the first to say that I had not met a single member of this team until this run and I feel like they were all so crazy that it made it work and I loved I loved every second of getting to know them and their powers and I will admit they were they made me chuckle quite a few times so I'm a fan it was great good good yeah I uh I I had a moderate you know, knowledge of most of these characters. There were a couple characters that I had no mm-hmm. idea who they were. Okay. Like na- like uh, Nanny and Orphan Maker. This is my first experience with them. Little Egg Lady and her very large son. <laughs> yeah. I was unaware of anything having to do with them. And even, I mean, I, I'm sure I read a comic that had Grey Crow in it, but I can't mm-hmm. for the life of me remember what it must have been. Because he looks familiar. He's that guy who, like, I know I've seen you somewhere before, but I cannot place you. Um, everybody else, I mean, I had various knowledge of. Wild Child was the most surprising one. I'm yeah. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> who little, you? little baby Sabretooth. I, I always call him Little Baby Sabretooth because that's the only thing I could think. In the first cover, he looks so strange. His, he looked like he had, like, a huge head. I'm like, yeah. it's just it's just a perspective thing, but <laughs> this is an insane character. You know who he reminds me of? Who? Did you guys grow up watching the Wild Thornberries? Yes. Oh, my God. No. He's the son. 
No, absolutely he is. <laughs> no, yeah, he knows what's going on. Literally, that is I, him for sure. I need an edit now of um, Nigel Thornberry saying smashing, but it says Gene smashing, and it's just a sinister skin on him. Oh, all you'd have to do is like make him pale and put the little exactly. diamond on his exactly. Head. It's genius. <laughs> the wild hellberries, I love it. Um, oh yes. Yeah. See, I'm somewhere in the same boat um, the two of you were. Before I read this book, I'd only met about half of these characters. And for everyone listening at home, listen to this, like, just murder's row of strange that's going on in the story. <laughs> the The most noticeable names here are probably going to be Havoc and Psylocke, for anyone listening at home. In Psylocke, we do mean Conan, not Betsy. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, and then their supporting characters, Greycrow, Nanny, Orphan Maker, Empath, and Wildchild, with a little bit of um, sinister there on the side. There is... I had only heard and read stories with Havoc and Psylocke and Sinister in it before reading this book. Grey Crow was a very popular character. Well, not popular character. He was in a very popular story. He was from the Mutant Massacre, which was a very, very big deal back in the day. That's what it was. Yep. <laughs> I just saw the realization oh. flash in your eyes. Oh, God. It's, it's one of those stories that I, as like, a newer X-Men fan I'm aware of by reputation, but I haven't had a chance to read it myself yet. It's a it's a good story. It, it's mm-hmm. one of the first, and I haven't read it in years, but it was the one of the first big like mutant crossovers mm-hmm. with the other like Marvel books. And God, that feels like another lifetime ago. <laughs> oh, back when mutant death stuck for a little bit longer, <laughs> for a little bit longer, just a little, not much longer. See. These days, kids don't understand. We have to. We used to have to get creative with our resurrections. Back in my day, I had to walk comic book deaths back three miles uphill in a blizzard. So, so many clones. So many clones. Speaking of clones, mm-hmm. who the hell decided to clone Jean Grey and not tell me? What the hell? Oh, <laughs> That was Ooh. such a trap in the literal first issue. I was like, who are you? I am shocked that <laughs> there was an entire episode done on this podcast with Connor Goldsmith, <laughs> and you didn't come into this with a cursory knowledge hey, of Madeline Pryor. To be fair, <laughs> Connor didn't know Dallas and I were siblings, so that's, <laughs> that's fair. That's a good point. <laughs> I am safe. <laughs> oh, I think I met Maddie in the story too. I think I was reading this yeah. and she showed up and I think like the mental lizard part of my brain was like, I've seen you before somewhere. Yeah, yeah I was like, you're familiar. <laughs> you're familiar. You're not. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, M- Maddie's an interesting character because she, um, yeah, she's super spooky and like everything she does in the book is spooky as well. Mm-hmm. But I had, I don't know why I had completely glossed over the fact that she had had like a relationship with uh, with Havoc as weird as that relationship is both before, during and after this story. The whole thing. But yeah, I was I was kind of surprised that it started off this way because coming into this book, like I had 
I had tasted. I had done little uh, Costco samples of this story <laughs> because I was, of course, picking up like all of the tie-ins for uh, Ten of Swords and for uh, Hellfire Gala. And so every single time these would pop up, it'd be, you know, two issues of each. I'd be like, oh, this is odd. These are weird characters. What is going on here? And they're connected to Sinister? What's happening? And so to get like context for this and having like, oh, this is also what's been going on with these characters in the greater context of the story. It, I mean, I the the joke for me coming into like the Hellfire Gala was having just kind of going around like, what defines a clone, guys? Like, what are we? I feel like there's gray area there. And I had no concept for why he was going around asking that. And so finally getting it in this book, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, God, he's just he's super simp. This is how you <laughs> this is how you characterize Havoc in the modern Krakoa age. He's just horny. Yeah. I you know what? Honestly, who isn't? Who isn't? I was gonna you know, say, who isn't a super simple? I love the horny club. I get it. <laughs> Who's, who looks at Madeline Pryor and says, I don't get it. I no. don't want she, you to step on my neck. She scares me in all the right ways. That that meme of uh, of Doug when he's talking about Bay the Blood Moon, he's like, yeah, oh she's my terrifying, gosh. and I love her. Like that's <laughs> Madeline Pryor, so True. perfect. <laughs> oh, I she's I'm so upset. She's only in four issues of this. I needed so much more, but honestly, it's it's one of those things where it's like I can't complain because I spent the rest of the run getting to know all these other wonderful and awful characters and it's just the the whole plot about this book revolves around the fact that mutants they're like listen we don't really have a great um (laughs) law system right now it's basically the pit or nothing what if we gave people a second chance before we throw them into literal abyss before into the black nothingness and i like that these characters got that i like to see the growth that they have through this i think like some of my favorite arcs that we got in it were gray crow I loved his um, blossoming dynamic with him and um, Psylocke. I thought that was wonderful to see. Um, I even loved the moments of vulnerability that we get hinted at in Empath. He never really comes full circle around, but I do like the moments where we get the hint that it's, you know, definitely a huge facade and he's so much more than he's letting on. There's a lot of really great complexities with these characters. I think that's what makes this book so unique and makes these characters that shouldn't work the way they do work so perfectly. Yeah, totally agree. I, I was not, again, I was not super familiar with gray crow and to kind of explain his powers, basically being like, Hey, you liked that really cool thing that blood sport did in suicide squad. It's basically gray crow. I was immediately in on him and his power And then getting that, like, you know, a lot of these characters, when you kind of boil them down, are tropes, especially in a story like this. And Grey Crow being, you know, the tough loner guy is a great place to start him at, because for people who like me and like uh, uh, Lexi, I again, had no like real concept of his character, even though apparently that was part of my past like memory that somehow got erased from the timeline uh, of reading him in mutant massacre. 
I, uh, I, I loved getting to know about him and getting to across the 18 issues, learn about him and his character and how he, I mean, we get him with the, uh, with the Marauders, like going through like, Hey, remember all those people that you really, you know, teamed up and loved they're gone. They're zombies now. And when he, in the end of that first arc, uh, was basically like, I'm going to get him home. You guys head out of here. And then he just, you know, does the, I guess you could consider it like a mercy killing to like stop their zombified selves. It was really heartbreaking. And you see him like afterwards being like, yeah, that's just, that's just what I had to do, whatever. But there's that seed planted that you're not exactly sure what is going on there. And I, when it comes to empath, I love really dickish characters that anytime they like turn away, you just get that like sad clown idea from them. Mm -hmm. It's one of my, one of my favorite comedians is uh, Bo Burnham. And I would love there. He has this great, uh, I mean, all of his specials are fantastic, but there's this like this Are You Happy song at the end of one of his most recent specials. Mm -hmm. And he's that's kind of the music that plays for me whenever we get those scenes of Empath just being sad around all of his former Hellions teammates. He's he's a wonderful character that I kind of wish we would get to explore a little bit more. Oh, completely. It's just this run could have gone on twice as long and accomplished twice as much. And that would have been the greatest thing in the world to me. I love you start to read comics long enough and you get, you fall so hard for these like D list and C list characters. Cause they're the ones that are fresh, the freshest to you. The ones that have the most room for new things to happen. Like we've read a thousand, a thousand Wolverine stories. We've seen a thousand Captain America stories. There's so much room and so much potential with characters like this, that it's just insane. Lexi, what most of these characters, if not all of them, were new to you. What, what were some of the standouts for you? Um, I definitely feel like the ones that confused me the most were Nanny and Orphan Maker. <laughs> I was like, who are these two and what are they doing? What is this egg lady and freaking Samus round two doing in this stupid book? <laughs> it just was like, and it took me such a long time. So I guess like understand what Orphan Maker was. And I still feel like mm -hmm. I don't because he changes kind of halfway through the book. Yeah. So I still mm -hmm. feel like he's a little confusing. And also Nanny is kind of a bitch. <laughs> She's the worst. <laughs> I felt so bad for this little man that didn't know any better. Oh, I feel like those two were definitely the most like enthralling for me i was like mm -hmm. i feel so invested in them but and then i feel like psylocke also like i had seen i feel like actually i had seen her especially with last year's like hellfire images like i had seen her but i didn't know anything about her and i quite liked getting to follow along her and i feel like the number one thing i took from this run was just to never have children because they will <laughs> they can and will be held against you <laughs> they're just gonna ruin your life oh, exactly no. more than never one person 
<laughs> Never have children. Just one one day, you know, they're there. The next day, they're being used as a hostage. Their they're genomes being held for ransom, or you know, they go out and they kill a bunch of people, and you're having to go in a pit with them. Really? You know, it's just it's it's crazy. Just parent things, you know. Just, don't, just don't parenthood. Parent. <laughs> parenthood, crazy. <laughs> um. Well, and and the the interesting change for some of those characters, Wild Child, Orphan Maker, Nanny, after their deaths in Araco, was kind of shape like shook up a lot of that dynamic. I mean, I I have a soft spot for Wild Child because I remember getting introduced to him in Age of Apocalypse, which was my introduction okay. mm-hmm. into X Men comics. Um, I I had been introduced to them through the animated series, like many children of the '90s, and then the first X-Men comics I ever read were Age of Apocalypse, where I'm like, these characters do not match up with any of the cartoons I have watched. And Wild Child was one of those characters, you know, palling around with Sabretooth that I was like, okay, that's cool. He's got like a little, he's got a little boy running around that eats people's faces and that's his deal. And so seeing him at the start of this book, you know, he's got that thing where he's like, if you're not the alpha, you're weak. And when, Psylocke's like snaps his neck to be like Mm -hmm. I'm the alpha and he's like okay yeah yeah, you're the alpha you're the alpha and he starts like following her everywhere (laughs) that's fine like respect respect it's it's like like having I don't know if as pet owners if you've ever been told like yeah you know you got to show dominance by biting your pet's ear sometimes I'm like (laughs) that's basically what he did what she did she was like yeah you're you're my you're my you know, my second in command here. And when they all died in Araco, which I, we had previously established up to this point, if you die in Araco, like your situation is mm-hmm. not good. And when they came back and it's like, Oh, now they're all buff. And now they're angry at everything. <laughs> I was like, but nanny was so sweet. She was even like that. I don't remember at what point, but like early on, she's like trying to nurse uh gray crow. And he's like, leave me alone. I am not a child. <laughs> and like to come back and she's like, I'm not your nanny anymore, Peter. And <laughs> that big change. I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. And to kind of see the difference from the first half to the back half of those, at least those three characters, I thought was really dynamic. Oh, yeah. It's seeing their change to be more warlike after Arako was great for both comedic purposes. I love the scene where um <laughs> she just hatches out of the egg and it's just her arms and feet sticking out of the, the stupid <laughs> thing so we can know, we don't see what she actually looks like. And then just seeing that divide that, that comes from it. I think that Wild Child got more interesting after that because I feel like he became more human. He became a little bit more aware. And it makes scenes like um when he's trying to reconnect with Aurora at the Hellfire yeah. Gala, that hit really, really hard. That made me oh. so sad. Right? I was like, I don't even know the story behind this, but I still am sad. <laughs> well, they do a good job telling it. It's like, you know, she was, you know, he, somebody says like, you know, they were together at a time where she was at her worst and he was like better at his best or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like now that they're apart, it's always awkward running into an ex, mm-hmm. especially when you're at a party and they're with someone else. Yeah. And his response to that is incredible. Where he just goes up to Docket and he's just like, "Oh, you wanna, you wanna go, man? You wanna step outside? You wanna take shirts off?" And Docket's like, "I, 
I'm missing a third of my shirt already, man. I'm ready <laughs> like, to go. I don't even have one. Let's go. Like, let's throw down here. But I, yeah, I loved his story too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all the characters were super cool. And yeah. they're not who you would expect to be on a team like this. I, I love that some of them surprise you in a lot of great ways, but some of them don't. I love the fact that Empath is so so empath in that first mission that he dies after five minutes because he does the one thing that Grey Crow told him not to do. He <laughs> fucked around and he found out. Literally. And and that's, you know, that that comparison you made earlier, the, the Suicide Squad but sexy, like, that mm-hmm. tells you right away. It's like, these characters can be off at any moment. Mm-hmm. And empath absolutely deserved it i i'm kind of surprised they didn't make that a running joke and just have somebody kill him every single i was thinking the same thing it's like why didn't they just quench inquire this guy and kill him every chance they get my poor sweet pink-haired boy my 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 pink-haired son quentin choir does not appreciate that comparison to empath okay it's okay we'll we'll erase that from his memory the next time he comes back oof (laughs) oof ouch yikes but no i i even loved because i'm i'm a summer's boy through and through (laughs) i i enjoy my summer's boys and i love how they've essentially they made alex who has in other books and in other runs uncanny avengers uh x factor stuff like that been kind of more of a cyclops s character they're like no he's like the dissociative identity disorder guy who just like at some points just goes okay i am going to go joker face and start blowing up things now Mm -hmm. and i i don't know you 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 get to see a lot of dynamic choices made with each of those characters and with psylocke you mentioned earlier like that is supposed to be the guiding hand she's the boss she is the she's the girl boss i guess uh empath would be the gaslight and maybe yeah break is gatekeep probably uh, that's that sounds perfect yeah and i <laughs> i was i wasn't sure like what is she doing on this team because mm-hmm. this is like he said basically Krokoan community service like yeah. what is she doing here and to get that uh that reveal of like sinister is in possession of her daughter's genetic code it, it was mm-hmm. heartbreaking it's yeah it's it's so hard because you need a reason for a more for a straight character like Kanon to be hanging out with these people and to be going along with someone as awful as Sinister is. Because he plays in the Kokoa era, he definitely hams it up a bit. He has his moments, he talks about his his cape size a lot. He's very sensitive <laughs> about his cape size. But you can't forget that this is one of the most evil people the X-Men has ever faced. And it's just, he does a great job of reminding you that at every turn. That no matter how comedic he may seem, he is ready to turn against all of you. Lexi, I have to ask, what did you think about Mr. Sinister? Yeah. Oh, I will admit, like, just from the way that he's drawn, I knew that he was supposed to be a villain. But I felt so attacked <laughs> at the end. Felt so attacked. I was oh. like, I saw this coming from a mile <laughs> away. But here we are still, mouth on the floor. But... Especially like, I I want to call it like a double cross, but I know it's not because it was too anticipated. But <laughs> I just I remember laughing out loud, being like, "What did I expect? What did I expect from this man who wears feathery capes and looks like Isma? What in the world?" 
there there's another another photoshop that needs to be done right here. <laughs> oh there's so many opportunities today <laughs> or the scene where she like lifts up her dress and there's a knife i feel like that's something he would do Okay, well, and, and that betrayal uh, coming out of Ten of Swords too, yeah. where like they make oh. it home, they make it to Krakoa, and then it's just like smoke bomb. He shoots dead. all of them, and he comes running out like, "Oh, my Hellions are dead!" <laughs> like, oh, he's he's doing the most oh. at all times. And the issue, the next issue where he's doing his crocodile tears at the council <laughs> meeting, and they're yes. like, "Should we tell him like, we already brought them back?" <laughs> that cover is iconic. It's iconic. It's. <laughs> We're all looking for the guy who did this. Yeah. It's it's that it's that uh parks and recreation meme where Ron's like, okay, who broke it? <laughs> who broke the coffee machine? And it. everyone just turns on each other and he's like, I broke it. I, I broke the coffee machine. It burned my hand, so I punched it. <laughs> like, that's Mr. Sinister. That is so true. <laughs> I love that Mr. Sinister has that level of like self-importance. And um, gets to like actually vocalize that out loud. Every moment he gets to interact with himself, it's literally the best dialogue that's ever been put in a comic <laughs> ever. It's just a tier the whole way. He is the star of the show, and now there are two of him. Yeah, it's I ah oh, man, all of his interactions. Like every single time we cut to the council, and he's just like badgering Exodus. Oh my and gosh, Mystique is forced to just sit there as like I. <laughs> I am on a council with a bunch of children. Yep. This is what I have to deal with every day. <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment where um, Dallas posted that exact panel and just said that this is us on the podcast. <laughs> who? Damn it. <laughs> okay. The way I figure it, Dallas is Mr. Sinister. Um, <laughs> I got to be Exodus. And I think you're Mystique. There's no way that you're not over us yet. <laughs> that, that That's how I checked that out, too. I was yeah, like, yep, right alongside, yep. right along the line. I'm gonna wear a cape next episode. <laughs> you just gotta have the big say, honkany pollets. Yeah, so that <laughs> I'm gonna hit who in the head. Them. That was so funny. Oh, do I get to come back as an egg? That's all I ask. Is <laughs> that I get to come back in an egg? Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. So we were talking about it a little bit before the show. Before we go on any further, because I want to talk a bit about some of the antagonistic forces in this series, because you have to have some big bads to go up against some people who are pretty bad in their own right. I had to ask because, Lexi, there was the moment at the Hellfire Gala where um, Psylocke meets eyes with Captain Britain, Betsy, and Kanan look at each other, and we find out that Kanan is not a big Betsy fan. And you told me that you don't really know why. I have no idea. Not a single thought in this brain. Eric, would you be able to do me a favor? <laughs> Could you yes. give us as simplified as you can oh, no. why these two women are not highly fan are not highly friendly? <laughs> They're not friends. Lexi, have you ever seen the critically acclaimed 90s movie Face Off? <laughs> oh, <laughs> do believe <laughs> maybe well this is nothing like that so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> basically um 
uh, Kanan and uh, Betsy have always been two characters, except when they weren't. When Betsy was basically forcibly put into the body of Kanan and was piloting her like a <laughs> like a like an anime mech for basically the entirety of the '90s, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she took That's over so her exciting. body. She was Psylocke. So you had this very clearly East Asian character speaking with this very clearly like UK British <laughs> accent being absolutely the the best and the worst at everything that she does. And Psylocke, that's kind of the reason that they are more or less antagonistic with each other and every single time they see each other it's again it's it's that x PTSD. thing where it's like we were one at one point mm-hmm. and that was not my idea so i don't <laughs> like you that was um yeah that's a um a big problematic thing that definitely happened for reasons <laughs> that was when you went to face off i'm like what do you mean haven't you heard about the critically acclaimed movie get out because that's what this is <laughs> that's that's go. a closer approximation to what one. that actually is <laughs> yeah it's um it, when i tell you it took me I think Psylocke was one of the things that put me off X-Men for so long, because I read every Wikipedia page I could, I read every article I could, I could not tell you what Psylocke's deal was for about (laughs) six years. I could not do it. I could not do it to save my life. I had no idea who Betsy was and and who Kanan was. All I knew was, yes, (laughs) that's that's where it started and stopped. Um, When they got finally got split apart at the Krakoa era... That's when I finally started, things started to click, but that was just such a huge, huge headache for me for so long. And I needed to see how you reacted to that. So thank you for that. (laughs) Well, and even Marvel for a long time didn't know exactly what the deal was with her. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) And, And it was, I mean, there was a period where I, as a kid, like, yeah, Psylocke's name is Betsy. And that's just what it is. And learning that, you know, as a as an, a young adult being like, oh, no. Oh, they're supposed to be too. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is bad. This is really bad. And yeah. this is very much like, this is some C.B. Zabolski really bad stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, I don't like this at all. And Anytime they like run into each other, especially at, like functions like this, it's a hundred percent the best thing because you never know how they're going to react to each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I got to tell you, Lexi, if you want to see more of that interaction and see how they actually like talk to each other and have to deal with each other, there's a good chunk of Excalibur right after X of Swords where Betsy has okay. to deal with some demons for a while, and that's pretty fun. Okay, well, I was gonna. I'm finally ask. reading through Excalibur. Oh. Oh, it's so good. I love it so much. I don't care what anyone says. I love Excalibur. It's so much fun. I think it's a great binge read. I've been told to read totally it, great. so I would believe you. Yeah, I, I think you would <laughs> like it. I think you'd like it a lot. Yeah, I will say I okay. love this era of the X-Men. This is my favorite. Like the whole yeah. Krakoa era. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Is it accessible enough do you think oh yeah is it accessible? i literally feel like i don't need to know a single thing that ever happened before this stupid little island popped up in the ocean <laughs> and <laughs> you know what the best thing is you really don't 
nope. really don't. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's the best part about it because the books do a good enough job of catching you up to speed with yeah, it. Yeah, like if there's something you comes... need to know, they'll tell you. Exactly. Like, they do a good enough job, and I think that's something that's magical about this, is that all of the creative teams are working so well together mm-hmm. to say, okay, these are where the character's at. Because I I know, as comic book readers, we have run across a moment in a comic where someone from a different comic shows up, and at the time, it doesn't it doesn't make sense that for them to be there. Their characterization doesn't make sense of how they're acting that way, and they physically shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And what I love about the collaboration of the teams here is that all of, anytime someone pops up somewhere, it makes sense. And their characterizations are for the most part, like really consistent across the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just even like, while I was reading it, there's a specific part of the council where I saw captain Kate and I was like, oh, yeah. there you are. And she like totally, like I totally knew who she was. I really only saw like the back of her head. And I was like, oh, look at you. I know you. You have another <laughs> book I like. <laughs> oh, I love that. There's this great team of te- Do we have anything to say about, I feel like we haven't really said a lot about Havoc. Does anyone have any real big Havoc thoughts before we move on to some of the antagonists? I didn't know that he had a brother. Cyclops had a brother. (laughs) Wait until you find out about the other brother. (laughs) No, there's three of them. (laughs) There could be four if you want to talk about the Adam X of it all. I was going to say, no. I saw the twinkle in Eric's eye when I saw that. You you want to ask? You want to talk about Summers Brothers? I will spend (laughs) the entire two to seven hours of this podcast (laughs) talking about Summers Brothers. Oh, just no. Yeah, Havoc has never been my favorite of the Summers Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, and I'm sure this is a controversial opinion, I've always ranked them, in my personal enjoyment, Scott, Gabriel, Alex. Ooh. But that being said, I mean, let, let's be clear here. I still love all the Summers Brothers. My younger brother, his middle his, I I was given the opportunity as a four-year-old <laughs> child by my parents oh, no? to name my brother. And I was a big fan of X-Men, the animated series. So his name is Logan Alexander. So believe me when I say, I enjoy all of the Summers Brothers. That's good. But Alex was never a character that I was like, yeah, he's the best Summers Brother, obviously. He is the middle child. And he has serious middle child energy. And you you get it. <laughs> I do get it. If Dallas was here, he would have made a mean comment. <laughs> That's that that is that is what he does. Mm-hmm. And I I really enjoyed him because I was I was saying earlier, like he's always been like the steady hand, the guy, the straight man. And with Psylocke being the straight woman in this story, we get to see Alex be a little bit more off his rocker. We get to see him simp for most of this book. And we also get to see during the Hellfire Gala, get his best costume. I will not be taking Mm -hmm. any kind of notes. No, you're right. Mm -hmm. That costume is the best he's ever looked. And the fact that he's not rocking it right now is a travesty. Oh, you could say that about I, I guarantee eighty percent of the Hellfire Gala costumes. They were oh, totally agree. Incredible. Mm-hmm. The the look that Grey Crow gives Kanan after seeing her, I'm like, same. 
<laughs> I made the same face. That's that's yeah. my face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's wonderful the amount of character depth that Havoc gets to have mm-hmm. because there is that weird like oh, I'm not me when I go crazy and blow up stuff, but he still has to deal with it. He's yeah. he's on the team initially because they say, oh, you know, this would be good for you. This is going to be a real good, you know, learning experience for you. And then everybody on the council is just like, yeah, we put him on this team because he's as messed up as they are. And to watch him slowly get to that realization of being of first going like I don't think I belong here to being like these are my people this is my tribe mm-hmm. I I adore that for him and the fact that he does I guess get a happy ending out of all this because he gets what he came to the dance for mm-hmm. uh, it's good question mark <laughs> upwards inflection but mm-hmm. I I mean I'm I'm always down to have a summers in my books and that was a large reason why when dallas initially pitched to me hey you should read hellions i was like uh who's on this oh there's a summer's brother okay i can get behind this i can read this (laughs) and then i fell in love with the entire rest of the cast Mm -hmm. including as ed's about to get to these antagonistic forces yeah we um (laughs) we had a couple big bads we have Mr. Sinister, who is basically the antagonistic force for the entire thing. He's our, if we continue the Suicide Squad analogy, he is our, um, why did I completely blank on her name? Amanda, Amanda Waller. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> my, my brain's like, you're in X-Men mode. You don't know anything about DC right now. Um, <laughs> we had Madeline Pryor. We had Lady Mastermind, who showed up for a little bit. And Arcade, the little son of a bitch, who I, <laughs> listen... I don't know who Art- that is. Okay, so remember when we read Avengers Academy earlier in the year, Lexi? Yes. Arcade is the one who killed Metal. Oh, straight to jail. Yeah, straight to jail. Um, and we got the really, really cool new original villain, um, the Locust Vile and Tarn from yes. Araco. Yeah. And we got to see just how Metal <laughs> Araco really is. They, <laughs> oh they did God. not come to play. Mm-hmm. This... I loved that he was basically the Araco version of Mr. Sinister, except he doesn't play around. He This is not a game to him. He's like, I'm here to mess you up, and I will make you regret ever stealing from me. Love that he came back at the end. That was the best way to wrap that up. I, it's always great when the villain who killed all of you gets to come back and try to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that's like a really intense D and D campaign. Like, if <laughs> oh yeah, you get, you get almost like TPK'd. One player gets to run away, and then you know, thirty sessions down the line, all of a sudden it's like, hey, remember that sorcerer who had this pack of wild fiends? He's back, and he's gonna <laughs> eat y'all again, like. I loved how that came back around. Oh, yeah. Tarn was amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, One of, of my favorites. Yeah, Lexi, really go. Really quick, sorry. Speaking mm-hmm. of D&D, Anne, I do have to say that Glenn invited me to join his group. And he said that yes. he invited. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. He goes, if no one else will let you play, you can come join mine. And I said, okay, <sighs> deal. Nobody else is invited. Oh, I was supposed to ask you a while ago. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, okay, good. I'm glad he asked you though. <laughs> you should stop by. It's fun. Um, I now that he, now that he knows that I forgot to tell you, he's gonna 
instantly kill me in the next one. Shout like, out to Glenn for being everyone. the one that invited me, not my not my literal best friends on my podcast. <laughs> There's a reason Glenn gets his own music. That that is true. I do not get my own theme song. I've been here for almost a year. I do the not get my own theme song. Podcast is your own theme song. This is okay. A podcast look, I'm listen. <laughs> It, it is a team effort, but there's also a me and team, so I feel like we need to appreciate. Um, <laughs> oh, I would be perfect on the Hellions. Oh my gosh. Um, we are the Hellions. Are we, we are the <laughs> And is empath confirmed? I, okay, listen. <laughs> okay, maybe telling you to listen isn't the best way. Lexi, who was your favorite villain out of everyone we saw in the series? Oh, my favorite villain. I feel like... Of out of everybody, Mr. Sinister was the one that was like, Yeah, you're just you're the worst. Mm-hmm. You're definitely the worst. But I feel like it was really a fun to I don't know. Like I feel like Arcade just like super rubbed me the wrong way during his whole yep. like torture scene. Where he's like ripping out of the teeth. I was like, yeah. okay, gross. That's what he does. <laughs> and I was that's... like, that's not very nice. Cool, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy because out of all these villains, I still think Arcade is the most sinister and vile of all of yeah, them. It's just like, just because, ew. yeah, I can't get Avengers Arena out of my head. This is a man yeah. who enjoyed sadistically murdering children. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, like, once you get to that point in a comic, I'm done with you. You're, you are, n- you're not fun. You're not even, like, jokingly fun. I can't, it's like, I can enjoy it when a literal Nazi calls you a demented version of Chucky, but I can't. I can't get over anything else. (laughs) Watching Mr. Yeah. No, go Go for my 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 hate of uh, of arcade runs deep all the way back to the X Men and Spider Man arcade game, of which he was the main villain. And the final level of that, which is a boss fight with him, is nigh impossible. Or at least it was when I was eight years old. And I have not. My trauma has prevented me from going back to try again. Um, The moment when he has Sinister strapped down and he's like, all right, I'm going to take out all your teeth until you agree to my demands. And Sinister's like, no, 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 no. I agree to your demands. And he's like... Okay, we're just going to say you didn't agree to my demands, and I'm going to pull your teeth anyway. I was like, oh, he's hard as fuck. Like, he he knows what he's about. That's his deal. Kidnaps daughters. See? Proves my point. Don't have kids. Mastermind. Though, what a genius way to, like, kind of circumvent Mastermind to have some guy in a remote location be like, hey, this is what I'm seeing, right? What I'm seeing is real. Mm Mm-hmm. That was perfect. That was oh, so just on that that Lady Master and I, my note for just one second. You know, <laughs> you know who wouldn't have gotten kidnapped? Like, um, like a really lame person. You know who oh, wouldn't no. be really lame? Oh no, Shark Girl. Oh, you, I knew that was coming. You, Damn you. you, you could not capture Shark Girl if you tried. Because she swims really fast. Because she swims really fucking fast, and she'd rather be dead. She's gonna fight you until she's dead. You will never take her alive. She will. F- I just. I'm just telling you. That's X Men material. That is such X Men material. She is. She is Wolverine, and none of you realize it yet. She. Imagine Wolverine, but his claws are his teeth. That's the. That's how metal we're talking here. Yeah. As 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 a soft plug, if you want to know <laughs> why that's relevant, come on over to the Geeks Flame podcast this week, where Anne is 
more or less verbally eviscerated for putting Sh- Shark Girl on her team. <laughs> Listen, I didn't deserve it, and neither did she. <laughs> that was uncalled for. The pictures you posted of her, yes, she does. She does deserve that. What? That picture, I'll have you know, that picture got like a thousand likes. People See, love Shark know, Girl. Rising amount of likes. Right? I explained it. I wanted her to look like a mermaid. Okay? She did not. My, <laughs> my absolute favorite comment was someone saying like, oh, Marvel making all their women ugly. I'm like, she's a fucking shark. What did she want? What are you talking about? Oh my no, god. I, I loved I loved seeing the fake shark girl fans come out of the woodwork too. <laughs> I, like, oh my god, finally someone excuse giving, you giving coming shark up from girl. the depths. <laughs> oh god, you're right. <laughs> my mistake. Coming up from the depths. You oh, you laugh now, but you'll see. People awesome. I bet people laughed. When Zeb Wells told them I'm gonna write a book with Nanny and Orphan Maker, I bet they laughed. Nanny. I bet every editor <laughs> laughed in his face and said, Do it, I wanna see it fail. And then they're like you know what? I, okay, fine. Whatever. You, you then, did it. You did it. I, I admit it. <laughs> and then we got that scene that I have pulled up on my tablet where a drunk nanny goes, guess it's going down. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I love nanny at the party. She is literally me. Literally me. Yeah, again, this was my first issue of like any kind of hellions when i was reading because i i was waiting for the ten of swords to be collected before Mm -hmm. i read it so this was the first time i was introduced to this character reading this (laughs) tie-in for the hellfire gala and i'm like what is happening here with these characters this little egg egg? (laughs) (laughs) just (laughs) i just had the dumbest image of them like trying to put a team together and just like professor x coming up can i offer you an egg in this trying time (laughs) (laughs) it's like that's what i needed exactly thank you i would like to offer you mrs robotnik (laughs) Uh, i just it's it's a wonderful choice and again like what's great about this team is -hmm. that these are as you said like d and z listers who Mm -hmm. are given this place and given the opportunity to make you care about them. Yeah. And you know, it's it's crazy because I think it goes to prove that just about any character can be unique when you give them the time of day, when you give them the focus. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like every person is a person. They all have their own stories. They all have their own demons. And no matter how they appear on the surface, there's always going to be more to them than that. And I love that we even get that from some of the actual, like, villains in the story like i love seeing the depths to madeline and how worried she was about just being forgotten and that's literally what happened to her and that was just like heartbreaking to see um i think we got depth out of just about every single mutant villain every every single villain except for arcade who you know you can't pull depth out of he is a shallow fucking pond you do not pull anything out he is evil period (laughs) but everyone else i just love that even even sinister not complex for the same reasons they're gonna make you like care about him or relate to him but just that he has so many different machinations going on at one time that you can never guess which way he's gonna go and i think that's just such a a strength of this book it's just showing you the the depths to people and keeping you intrigued in that way yeah 100 percent. i mean it's it's interesting when you kind of look at the escalation Mm-hmm. of the of the villains like you start off with madeline who is more or less you know all the all the things we want to talk about madeline madeline prior both in narrative and also in character mm-hmm. um 
she is, you know, a face from the past. She is a character that has a lot of her most important stuff happened like at least a couple decades ago. Mm-hmm. And that that I mean, this is going to age horribly because as we're heading into the Destiny of X, Madeline Pryor is on the come up. But with the other villains, you get to see how they affect like different aspects of the Hellions. Like each of them in their own way is a dark reflection of the characters that we see here. Mm-hmm. You know, you made the comparison, obviously, Tarn and Sinister, as bad as Sinister is, Tarn is absolutely the dark reflection of Sinister oh, yeah. because he's mm-hmm. him without any panache or any flair. <laughs> uh, but Madeline, in the same way that Alex is, like, people know who Cyclops is. But if you ask anyone who hasn't, doesn't have, like, a rem- a remotely like cursory knowledge of first class of X-Men first class who Havoc is. It's like, Oh, there's another brother. Oh, there's another Cyclops, but he's not Cyclops. Like Madeline Pryor is the very much the same way. And narratively, it makes sense why they'd gravitate towards each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then bringing up the, the other villains that are brought into here, it's fascinating to see kind of the reflections that i mean you could draw some pretty i think easy parallels between empath and mastermind people who manipulate others to get what they want whether they like it or not and it's really cool to see that dynamic and show how even though you said it so eloquently these characters who you would look at and say oh this is a villain book not being able to peer into the depths of these characters and showing that not every person is who they appear to be. I mean, some people, like you said, Arcade, 100% who he presents, 100% of the time. (laughs) But like these characters have depth, they have pathos and showing where they decide to turn left instead of where someone like Sinister would turn right is a huge core of this book and why these characters matter and why you get into wanting to see these characters succeed where in another book they might you might be like oh i don't want anything good to happen to these characters because of their perception from other characters in krakoa Mm -hmm. it's just such a such a strength of this this era as a whole where you get to see the villains get to play on the same level as the heroes because they're really taking that mutant amnesty to its fullest extent. I love seeing characters like Apocalypse on the same side as characters like Wolverine and Xavier. It's just such a unique dynamic. It's like your best fan fiction come to life. And I, it's, okay. There's, I have to ask, Lexi, what was the moment for you that this book, it's, it might be kind of a big question, but what was the moment that this book really grabbed you and made you realize that this is going to do something special? When was the moment that you realized, <clears throat> I'm actually falling for these characters? Oh, that is that is a big question, because I feel like it was kind of a gradual thing for me, mm-hmm. if I'm going to be honest. I don't, I feel like the biggest moment for me was kind of at the end. If, I don't know if that sounds weird, but when they like, re, like when they all have that realization of like, oh no, like we are each other's people, like because they have this huge falling out, obviously, and they're like, we're not a team anymore, like we're not doing this, but they all come back and band together to 
help out a team member, you mm-hmm. know? And I feel like that was when I was like, oh no, like these characters are all amazing individuals, but they're an even better team together. And I thought that that was what really stood out to me the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, to- that whole scene, that whole council meeting at the end, the mm. decision to end it on that and to have this discussion be what solidifies who these characters have become throughout the entire, albeit short run, the monumental run that they had. I, it's just something that's so special. It's a moment that's so bittersweet and it's represented so well in how the council reacts to it. It's just, listen, listen off off the record, Kukoa needs to figure out its criminal justice system because that shit is fucked. <laughs> Stop sticking people in holes. Stop sticking people in holes. <laughs> you need to get Mariska Hargitay there ASAP. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Law and order Kukoa. Mm-hmm. I'd watch that. Green light it. Mm-hmm. right now see that's what x-factor tried to be <laughs> god you're right you're absolutely right <laughs> and marvel's like you know this is some pretty good shit you got here what if we just canceled it and you went and go and did a mini instead no, that's it's... gonna work right fun Big okay now Big what <laughs> um oh my gosh eric for you what was the moment was there a specific moment where you were like these characters are winning me over i'm I'm starting to care about them, or was it like Lexi said, more of a gradual thing that you didn't even realize was happening until it had already happened? So before I get into that, I do want to mention that last issue is incredible. It is very good. Mm-hmm. It is bittersweet. I mean, the entire the moment when Orphan Maker they decide like he's going in the pit, and yeah. Gray Crow of all people says, "I will burn this place to the ground mm-hmm. if you do this." Oh yeah. Like it's it's amazing, and then you see Nanny, who her and Orphan Maker have this wonderful arc of them, you know, splitting apart post Araco, and her showing up in the classic egg suit where she'd been wearing that like battle ready, like gritty <laughs> Zack Snyder egg suit for the, for the majority of it. Oh my god, um, it was it was great, and watching the two of them go down into the pit together, I was like. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I am like, feeling oh, things for these oh characters. No. And it was the first time when I was like, do I need to read the Sabretooth book? <laughs> do I need to read Sabretooth? Because I want these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of them, you get to those little tableaus of the characters at the end was just wonderful. And I I have talked before on my podcast uh uncanny x-force is one of my favorite x-men books of all time Mm -hmm. i think it's just it's perfection and if you liked this listener check out uncanny x-force the remender run is incredible um it ends in a very strangely a very similar place as this book does with psylocke and her love interest of choice kind of looking off into the distance though i believe at this point betsy is still psylocke but the moment I think that this really sold for me, and I, it's funny because I have this pulled up while I'm skimming through it for stuff to remember, mm-hmm. um, is at the very end of the Madeline arc, where basically uh, Grey Crow has killed the zombie versions of his old team. Everybody's escaped. Uh, Havoc, after... Madeline dies again for however many times she has died at this point, goes crazy, brings down the entire cloning facility on top of himself, climbs out, and he's like, you know, 
Steve Urkel. Did mm-hmm. I do that? <laughs> Wild child of all people. Every They're all just kind of standing in a circle. He goes, they were right, weren't they? We're, bu- we're a bunch of crazy sons of bitches. And he just starts laughing. And they all just start laughing. And <laughs> Nanny's like, Peter, don't laugh. And, she's, and Peter goes, they're funny, Nanny. And they all just start laughing because, yeah, they're all screwed <laughs> up. And they're all together on this team. Like, that was the moment that I was like, oh, this is going to be something special. And getting like a moment like that this early on was really cool because then I get to be in that kind of mindset for the rest Mm -hmm. of the run. Like this whole idea of found family, finding people who were just as messed up as you is something that I really ascribe to as a weird theater kid in college. It's It spoke to me on a spiritual level. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the moment for me. Did you have a moment like that? Oh, I just, that's a really good, see, I was asking the question. I was not prepared for it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Tough. I, it is so tough. I just, ah, I think it was gradual for me. I think I read this out of order. I kind of did the same thing you did. I think I jumped in for a little bit around the, um, oh, I jumped in just before you did. You jumped in for Hellfire Gala. I jumped in for X of Swords because I was trying to follow all of that. And I remember just being so shocked by the sinister twist. That was actually what intrigued me more than like the team itself. Just like, I can't believe a book where they're just going to kill off the entire team just cause was, was something that could exist. And then once I got back into it, I think the moment I started realizing this would be something special was that moment when gray crow was killing his old team. And it's just like, this is some serious shit. And it was actually that moment with Maddie, um, you know dying in havoc's arms where she's just like i don't want anyone to forget me and i'm like i don't know who you are but i miss you and i need you back already (laughs) it's it's that classic i i am probably the only person who's gonna who's gonna know this reference but it's classic like kingdom hearts 358 over two days where it's like don't don't forget me i'm dying and the person holding her roxas is like who are you done watching the Shit's creek episode where um oh i'm so glad you brought where, that up I'm yeah so where, um that, he yeah he has to give the eulogy for the guy he doesn't even know <laughs> <laughs> that's madeline Pryor. that's madeline Pryor. <laughs> that's havoc realizing they're gonna die there that's he's like we're gonna die on the shit island because like the majority of people, anytime Madeline Pryor pops up, both out of universe and in universe, are like, "No, Jean Grey, right? That, that no, Jean Grey did that, right? Well, well, yes, but also no." And that's like, and to pair that with the moment that she gets in that last issue, where the council does agree to bring her back, mm-hmm. and she turns to havoc and havoc's like yay i got everything i want and then madeline asks him hey did anyone ask what i wanted did you think to ask me if i wanted to be resurrected and havoc has no answer and i'm like go off queen let him know this was a (laughs) non-consensual resurrection like it, it it was a great, I, I don't know, it was a great, you know, squaring oh, yeah. of that circle. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a great way to set up where she's going to go next. I'm so ready for New Mutants. I'm so ready for that oh, arc yeah. to kick off. 100%. Um, 
yeah, that's just, this was a very, very enjoyable book. I'm glad I finally got the opportunity to read through it, because I'd read through it maybe, like, three-fourths of the way last time, because I had read up to where Marvel Unlimited had, and I had to give it a little time off to, you know, so it could catch up. And this was the first time I'd ever read the finale, and it's just such a complete <sighs> piece. Yeah. And it's it's one of the few comic stories where it's like I'm actually kind of glad it has the length it does because it definitely does have a very definitive beginning, middle, and end. And that it's like I could pinpoint exactly what like the second act turn was. I could pinpoint exactly where different character arcs were going, and I enjoy that. I much much prefer that to character arcs just vanishing and stories just being like we had a lot more planned, but we're just gonna kind of cramp it all into the end here because we can't really fit it. It feels West like Coast Avengers. Oh my gosh. I'm still bitter. I'm still I, bitter about that. Everyone book. is. It's just justice needs to be done. I can't believe it. That's going to be a fun book. Lexi, you're going to love West Coast Avengers so much. I cannot I wait for you excited. to read that. Sorry. My boyfriend and my dog have decided to play hide and seek right in the same room as me. So the door just slammed because they're playing hide and seek. <laughs> well, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> just at the Hellfire Gala and Wild Childs just hanging yeah, around. Literally. Sorry. <laughs> Charles to the Avengers. Sorry, my dog is playing hide and seek Sorry. right now. <laughs> literally. Now yeah. I kind of want to see Lexi in that Sabrebo helmet. Oh my oh gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just you... sorry about my dog. <laughs> you sorry. could rock it. <laughs> and do you remember the very first episode we had you on here and we all agreed that we needed the black manta helmet oh my god oh, yes yes i do <laughs> still no one, one sent me that helmet like, bro. yes oh what are we putting dallas in what what's his head's big enough he's fine <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Uh, I had to get one jab in. He's not even here. He's gonna hear that when he's when he's, <laughs> he's editing. Gonna love he's that. Gonna um, <laughs> I'm. You know what? You know what? Dallas really, really deserves. I'm gonna get him that um from Doom Patrol. That what's the what's the person who's just like wrapped up in like the mummy suit from the Brotherhood of Dada? Yes. I don't. Who remember. just like their powers? Like I have every power you've never thought of before. That I, I'm getting that suit for Dallas. That's gonna be his Halloween costume this year. Yep. That's I, I would love to like plop that little robot man head on him. Oh my wait, no, he'd actually rock that. We can't do that. Right. <laughs> That's okay, too you're cool. Right, you're right. He'd look too good. That's too cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh, oh my gosh. Dallas, we miss you and we love we you. Do. We but do. With all of that being said, is there anything else we want to cover on the story before we start jumping into some listener questions? Is there anything we haven't covered that really makes the story work? I don't or is there know. any bit of critique? Was there anything that didn't work for anyone? What didn't work for me is that we didn't get 18 more issues of this. <laughs> okay, that's that's go. fair. That's you, go. you know, good point. Good point. <laughs> though I, though I do I do agree with what you said. Like I like that this the last issue feels like a last issue. Mm-hmm. It feels it's not just like oops. Letters page were canceled. And it feels very wrapped it, up in a nice little bow. Exactly. Like even the cover with all of them, you know, all of them chained up and the counts with the thumbs down. It's like, yeah, that feels like the end of this book where everybody would end up at the beginning of this. And so having, you know, having the book actually be this complete story from beginning to middle to end, I thought was really cool. And the art is so 
good. Mm-hmm. Segovia's art is wonderful on this. And I I am I know we said it at the beginning, but I can't remember the name of the second artist. But they are also <laughs> wonderful. Honorable mention. Listen to the Honorable beginning mention. again. <laughs> Just start the episode over. Listen, listen to, to it again, again. And we'll be right back here when you get here. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the characters. Uh, I think Orphan mm-hmm. Maker as much as we still don't know enough about him. Like, this man could be secretly a clone of, you know, somebody who has powers. Um, <laughs> Franklin Richards. He could be a Franklin Richards-level Omega quadruple mutant. But yeah. we don't know about him. And that the fact that there are questions that mm-hmm. are left unsaid is, I think, a mark of a good story. God, yeah. Yeah, Orf- I need to know so much more about Orphan Maker because I've never heard That's Charles Xavier call it a curse before. Yeah. 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 I need to know, does he prefer Pete or Peter? <laughs> now, exactly. after all of this, those are the questions, the burning questions <laughs> this finale leaves you with. I think he'd just prefer to be out of the hole, but you know. <laughs> I don't think he True. cares at this point. He'll go by whatever. <laughs> <laughs> call me Pete. Call me Peter. Just don't call me banished. <clears throat> And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. His story oh, is really tragic though. And I it's really so tragic. I, the, I mean, just the full page spread of him just like I couldn't stop. Like after he killed those two police officers. It's like he's just a child. He doesn't understand what he's doing. He's just sad. Yeah. Lot lot of lot of sad boys and girls on this team. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just the the art I wanted to give a shout out to because it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that the story gets you invested in these characters who you probably wouldn't have cared about if they showed up in the background of another book. Mm-hmm. It's it's the it speaks to what Anne said earlier about like there is value in even the people who you may not see value in on first glance. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, and just to talk about the art for a second, I want to point out, <clears throat> I don't know what idiots on the internet think that comics aren't sexy anymore, because you're absolutely goddamn insane. You're, you've lost your mind. You yeah. are just, you are too far gone. You have not picked up a comic in 80 years. Yeah, they're not reading comics. If they don't yeah. think comics aren't sexy anymore. It's like, sorry, comics just got more respectful. That's exactly. all they did. That's all that changed. It's like, Sorry that men are now getting objectified as much as women are. That's <laughs> exactly. that's the yeah. difference. And Put it's them wonderful. In a and call it good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> More Nightwing ass for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And on that lovely note, let's get into some listener questions. I had to ditch for a second because there was an ant on my phone. I love this apartment. But oh. now we are perfectly like good. Yeah, like a bug. Like a fucking bug. <laughs> I was like, wait, like a Scott Lang? Like, <laughs> like Scott. I have some thoughts about Hellions. <laughs> He's like, excuse me. Like, yeah, it could have used me. <laughs> Please welcome our guest, Paul Rudd. <laughs> it's just a little, like, little mini voice. Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is Paul Rudd. <laughs> this is Paul Rudd. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Anyways, do we want to start this off, make this nice and easy for Dallas? Let's start this off with the Glenn question of the week. Roll music. Boom. Awesome. We'll remember 106. We'll tell Dallas. It'll be fun. I'm really excited I get to be witness to that that break. 
It's something special. It really is. And so is Glenn. And Glenn writes this week, hello, Lexman, which, you know, clever pun. Perfect. (laughs) Professor Lex. That's why she gets the helmet. (gasps) This is, why do we not think about this sooner? Oh my gosh. Excellent work, Glenn. Mm, Excellent. Glenn. Excellent work. Number one, Hellion seems to feature a team of villains as protagonists. As a rule, Glenn doesn't really read X-Men comics, so <laughs> he is doing his absolute best here, by the way. We really appreciate you still writing oh, in, Glenn. Glenn. You're, you're going to be a trooper this month. Um, evil-led books are tricky, but what are some of the collective's favorite villain-led books? I know Anne loves her some... Oh, the question got cut off. That's so crazy. I can't believe it. That's... <laughs> That's that's and that's so funny. The rest of the oh, I the know. An- no, I know. Anne loves her some Deathstroke ink. <laughs> oh no! Oh, Glenn, you're my favorite villain-led book. <laughs> <laughs> you're the you're the antagonist of my life. <laughs> that's true. Oh, but yeah, Eric. What are some of your favorite villain-led books? Um, I think as a rule, if there is a book that's led by the rogues, mm-hmm. the Central City Rogues, yes. it's going to be quality. Right oh, now, yeah. go pick up Rogues. It's incredible. <laughs> Leo Max and Joshua Williamson are doing the most. Uh, that book's wonderful. Um, Forever Evil, I think, is an example oh, yeah. of a villain-led event book that is really well done. Anytime that's... I mean, it it... It's interesting because they're so few and far between that we get mm-hmm. like really good. I have to preface that with good villain led books because it's usually like, oh, let's just show how crazy we are. Um, but those would kind of be my standouts when it comes to Marvel. I mean, Thunderbolts is, I think, the easy pick. Oh, my God. Yeah, you, you get I mean, such incredible A-list characters as Citizen V and <laughs> It's it's a book that just like this takes characters that you wouldn't normally care about and mm-hmm. makes you give a shit about them. Like any the 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 um uh alternate earth arc of that book is chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um Thunderbolt, yeah, Thunderbolts rogues, those those are probably my picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lexi, Thunderbolts is a book that I need to get you to before someone on the internet spoils it for you. Yes. Deal. 100%. Okay. I'm going to be honest. I only ever enter the internet whenever Dallas or you tag me in something. Perfect. <laughs> I will never tag you ever again. Use shit, and then I love again. <laughs> no one, hashtag don't spoil Thunderbolts. <laughs> leave me alone, damn it. Leave, you, Le- leave Lexi alone. <laughs> oh, if you spoil this 30-year-old book for my friend, I will be under your floorboards. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, that's so funny. Oh. But yeah, that's that's my pick. So yeah, I was gonna say I feel like the only book that like instantly popped into my mind, and I do have to put out like a, I don't know, like a adjustment to the villain led um, book, but I feel like Harleen was one of my favorite mm-hmm. books of all time, and I view her more as like at least in this run, I view her more as like a victim of her circumstance. And then becomes into her more of her villain trope. But that one is one of my favorites that I go back to quite often because Dallas got me the pretty hardcover. 
Oh, it's so pretty. I, I still need to read that. I've heard such what? good things. Read it. It's I, I, so I, good. There are so many books to read. I, yeah, I you know, that's it, true. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go it's up the queue now, though. There's only, three, there's only three volumes, I'm pretty sure. Oh, it's, it's, it's one of the big old black label books, yeah? Yep. There's only there's one volume. There were three issues. Oh, yes. Yeah. One volume, yeah. three issues. My bad. Okay. It's, oh, my gosh. As the resident. It's beautiful. As the resident Stapon um, Sage stand, I have oh, to tell yes. you, definitely. Oh my god! Very much up Anne's alley. Very much. <laughs> um, I'm actually going through right now for the first time. I'm going through Incorruptible, which is oh, the companion yes. piece to Boom Studios Irredeemable, which was one of the first non DC and Marvel books I ever read back in like 2013. <clears throat> it was just irredeemable. If you've never read it. I have to tell you, you have to be prepared for some really brutal and gross things, but it is the perfect evil Superman story in the way that it holds nothing back. And it shows you the dirtiest laundry of all these, all these heroes and shows you that like, no matter how they appear, everyone's got some, some skeletons in their closet and every issue. I've never read a series where the end of every single issue hits me exactly as hard as the last one did and makes me gasp every single time. It is just absolutely balls to the wall insane and incorruptible is the other side of that irredeemable is the story about a hero who one day decides i'm going to be a villain i'm going to basically destroy the world and it's terrifying incorruptible is the other side of that where one of the most insane and just cruel supervillains sees what this hero is doing to the planet and decides you know what i think i need to reevaluate my values and decides to be the world's greatest superhero and it's just so so interesting and you feel bad because you're like i know every evil thing this guy's done but i can't help but love him and root for him and it's just it's such a great companion comic to read back to back it's just it's it's endless fun in case you want to see that like ultimate elseworld story oh i i also want to mention that is a excellent pick like thank the, you those both of those books are so good mm-hmm. but you you just unlocked my brain with the companion Ooh. thing superior foes of spider-man oh my god yeah it's mm-hmm. so good superior spider-man is my favorite spider-man run of all time and superior foes is essentially like what if all of like the c-list villains looked at spider-man and like oh this is a problem like he's like hurting people this is weird i'm worried as a villain yeah. I don't want to get my face slashed. I don't want that. And it's basically a book entirely about that. I I love that book to death. That book is a lot of fun. Lexi, I think we could interest you in that one because it's a book about people actively trying to hurt Spider-Man. So <laughs> I feel like that would be more up your alley. Consider it. Okay, you know, that's, <laughs> at the end of the day, that's all we can ask. <laughs> Wait a second. Did I miss something? <laughs> no. Do you hate Spider-Man? Let me preface with saying, view <laughs> Dallas's birthday episode from last year, and you will understand why I can't stand reading Spider-Man anymore. He made me read basically everything that exists, and also watch every single movie that ever happened in the span of a week. So that I could, I have trauma. <laughs> Spider-Man trauma. Spider trauma. Yep. Trauma man. That trauma is Spider-Man. Is <laughs> trauma man. Is trauma man. Between Batman and Spider-Man, which one causes Spider-Man. you more unease? When okay, cool, just <laughs> that was so fast. Well, I mean, one of them has had sex, so oh, that's true. Gotta... Okay, <laughs> guess which one it is, listener. <laughs> <laughs> you'll ne- you'll Plot twist never- is Spider-Man. <laughs> oh my! 
Plot twist. It's neither one of them. We tricked you. Gotcha. Ah, ah, one more day made that a thing. (laughs) His virginity has been retconned. Read Spider-Man Reign for why he can't have sex. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, I love the things that writers do when editors don't tell them no. Um... That was the first part of Glenn's question. Um, moving on to the second part. Yeah, writer Zeb Wells has been working with other well-known Marvel characters, Spider-Man, on and off since 2003. Any thoughts on his various spider offerings? Lexi, please take it away. What's your What's your thought about Zeb Wells on Spider-Man? I think it's absolutely fantastic. Mostly because I don't even know who Ooh. that is. But. <laughs> but. <laughs> who, Spider-Man or Zeb Wells? Both. <laughs> Oh, no. Blocked Spider-Man out. Who is this? Who is Spider-Man? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, our Spider-Man Pro is not here. Yeah, um, Spidey himself. Our Spidey guy has taken the day off. He Eric, save him. us. Uh, I mean, he is he, this. The only stuff that I've read that of him with Spider-Man, uh, his stuff in Brand New Day. Uh, Brand New Day is a criminally underrated era of spider-man because everyone is like no one more day is terrible so brand new day is terrible false i'm gonna let you know listener as untrue brand new day rules and he was one of the several um different artists who artists writers who was involved in that era um he's he's great he's he's a great writer and he worked on um I want to say it was the gauntlet. I want to say it was the lizard story. I might be wrong. I might be remembering that incorrectly. Mm-hmm. But, you might be. Mm-hmm. But it, I remember things incorrectly all the time. <laughs> it's, but I, I, I dig his style. And I think his, especially when you take into account the characters that he works with in here, flawed characters he does really well with. And who has more flaws than Spider-Man? So that's that's my that's my two cents uh, on Zeb Wells. Perfect. I love it. It's more than I have to offer. He was fun in this book. I think he I've sure read was. other things he's written. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Anyways, thanks for that, Glenn. Number three, why is the hardcover of this so damned expensive? Over 60, I don't know what what is that? It's a, it's pounds, I think. Pounds? Yeah. Yeah, pounds. That's what they have over there. It's that's in Glenland. Um <laughs> that's I'm the not imaginary money. Oh, <laughs> that's the imaginary money. Galleons, galleons, right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. 60 sickles. I'm not made of kidneys, you know. <laughs> Galactic credits, I believe, is what they transition to over there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, Glenn, I love you. I'm glad that you're actually looking at purchasing this book, though. The 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 knowledge that you're you actually browsed and considered buying an X Men book for about two it's seconds one, makes Glenn. my heart happy. Yeah. Yeah, I think Glenn, it's time to um to put on the big boy pants and say the X Men are not too challenging for me. We will take them on. We will kick their ass and we'll have fun and cry along the way. Not necessarily in that order. Preach. <laughs> yeah. Glenn, I think you'll like the X-Men. There's fun things in the X-Men. Glenn, if Agreed. you really want your feelings hurt about how expensive a book is, um, I went to Barnes & Noble the other day and found the big old Invincible book, and I wanted to buy it. And I took it to the register with me, and they said it was $75, and I asked him <laughs> if he could put it back for me. <laughs> Oof. And he said, is it yes. wrong that 75 seems criminally undervalued to me? Ooh, it was it's... just the first compendium. I know. That's I had other of... things in my That's basket, a lot okay? of book, though. Listen, the next, book. Book, the next time it hits Comixology, I'm going to have Dallas grab it for you because it's like 
less than a dollar an issue if you get it on yeah. sale. I do that's that's paper. how I got I know compendiums on Comicsology. I think collect I got them on sale right after the uh, the show came out. And I think collectively, <laughs> yeah. all three of them together were like thirty five dollars. Yeah, yeah it's digital. Easily Wonderful. a steal. I hate Gosh. reading digital. Look how small this is. <laughs> I was going to say, Eric, what's it like to have and a I tablet? Because hmm. I don't have eyes. My eyes are ruined. <laughs> My eyes are broken. I'm not allowed to drive a car unless I have glasses on. So, you know, feels real good. <laughs> good. I'm glad. What does it except, feel like to be prevalent? Except this is like one of the older <laughs> Samsung tablets. I take so it. I, like, I take it. After 30 <laughs> minutes. It is needing to be charged because it's at 2% from 100. Beautiful. Oh, I'm, yeah. Thank you for those questions, Glenn. Hope you pick up X-Men sometime soon. This would be a great one to start. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Um, Next question. Lexi, do you have them up? Would you like to read the next one? Absolutely, I do. All right. So this says, hello, collective. Hellions is great in the amount of superhero soap opera going on, which always works for X-Books especially. And on that note, so, in-universe, Maddie was designed to attract Scott and be replacement Jean. But Alex ends up falling for her after Jean's return and Scott's abandonment. And Maddie slash Alex keeps reoccurring, both in the 616 and alternative universes. But Alex has never been depicted with a thing for Jean at all, has he? What do you think all this... What do you all think this says about the characters and what they want slash need, especially as it relates to Scott and Jean and their dysfunctional relationship involved. Always thanks for the great pods, Joshua Gomez. Thoughts? <laughs> That's, it's an interesting one. I'm very X-Men noobish, so I don't think I've ever seen Alex have a thing for Jean. I just think that they are two characters that, you know, just never clicked. And it's it's going to say that, you know, just because Madeline's a clone of Jean doesn't mean that she's Jean. And you can see just from this, just how she acts in the story alone, she has her own struggles, her own inner demons that she's working through. Madeline is her own person. And I haven't read a lot of that original X-Factor run. So I know at the beginning she was very Jean-like, but I don't even think from then she was supposed to be exactly like Jean. She was supposed to be strikingly similar, but I don't think that she was ever that perfect replica, you know? And Eric, you might know more than I do in that case, but I'll I'll pass it over to you. Uh I I love that X Factor run. Mm-hmm. Um it is it's definitely one of the books that going back when I first started like actually reading comics, I was like, I know two things about myself. I love Superman and I will die on any hill where I find myself with Scott Summers. And that <laughs> book is not particularly kind to Scott because Scott is not particularly kind to people, including Madeline Pryor. Uh, but what I've always garnered, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, I think that both Maddie and Havoc have a huge, I mean, I don't think it's too big of a stretch or anything kind of revelatory to say they have incredible imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Havoc came into the X Factor book is like, hey, Scott's not on the team. Do you want to be on the team? And Madeline, very much in the same way, was, hey, Scott doesn't have a redhead to be in love with anymore. Do you want to be the redhead he's in love with anymore? (laughs) And the two of them obviously have much more depth than that. Mm -hmm. But 
at their core from their first appearances, that is very much how they were treated. And with them being just, you know, if, if you squint really hard and you look at them sideways, Madeline Pryor could pass for Jean Grey nowadays, but Madeline Pryor is absolutely her own character, just as Alex Summers is. And with the two of them being these... Uh, these characters who never really seem to fit in anywhere else. I mean, I was I was head over heels in love with the idea of Gene and Scott and Havoc and Polaris, but Polaris is much too well adjusted to be <laughs> with Havoc, especially Ooh. nowadays. Ooh, good point. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a lot that can be gained from this idea of two imperfect people looking for perfection in each other. You know, the idea that Scott found Madeline because, and he found her interesting because whether he articulated it or not, he was enticed by her because of her resemblance to Jean. But that's Mm -hmm. not the reason that he ultimately fell in love with her and had a child with her. Because again, they are two separate characters, regardless of any sinister cloning. In that same vein... You know, they are characters who have are searching for their purpose. Alex has looked for a place for himself for his entire comic book publication history, as has Maddie any time that she's appeared. She was the substitute. She was the stand-in. She was the demon queen. And now she is more or less back to being the love interest in a lot at the end of this story certainly she was brought back because havoc i mentioned this earlier is a huge simp and the i think what's fascinating about these characters is to see where they go from here now that alex has gotten what he wants what is there for him to do now and now that maddie is in a position to not just i mean take over as she absolutely can but also she is in this position to break another summer's boy heart for the 30th time that she has done for alex summers i think it's it's a question of finding your purpose with both of these Mm -hmm. characters and i think that's what draws them to each other because i don't know about you but i know that when i was a lesser person in high school definitely as an example I was drawn to people who were flawed. I was drawn to people who I could see my insecurities reflected through them. And for better or for worse, oftentimes what we are drawn to is what reminds ourselves, uh, what remind, what articulate Eric, what often (laughs) draw, what often draws us to people is seeing the insecurities that we have in ourselves in other people. Because you feel like you're on the same level and you can relate in that way. And I think that's what ultimately brings them back again and again and again. It's this imposter syndrome that they're constantly struggling with. So that is my two cents. Yep. That was a fantastic two cents. Thank you so much for that. I hadn't even. That was the best answer. Yeah. (laughs) That's the best answer we've ever had on the show. So (laughs) that's. Yeah, um, nothing I can add would be smarter than that. Lexi, do you have anything nope. else? Okay, perfect. Absolutely less, not. <laughs> less work for me to do. I appreciate that. I am very 
well equipped to talk about insecurities. Boy, am I. <laughs> I was going to say you're well equipped to talk about the Summers Brothers, but you know, it's that, that, too, that, that too. too. Anytime, anytime anyone wants to bring me on to talk Summers Brothers, <laughs> I'm there, especially if it's about my boy, Gabriel. Yeah, we're going to have you tell Lexi all about Gabriel as soon as the show is over, because oh my gosh. Lexi, have you ever heard of the critically acclaimed <laughs> 2010s comic, War of Kings? Because boy, do I have a wonderful space opera for you that everyone universally loves, and no one has ever had a bad thing to say about it. Never. No, never. Yeah, Not even once. That that's incorrect. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to finish that. I need to. <laughs> I the way I read comics is so chaotic. Where I will start something, but then the moment a new, a new shiny penny crosses my path, I will switch over in a heartbeat and then completely oh, forget no. what I was reading before. Oh, so no. um, I started reading War of Kings in the summer of 2020, and I haven't come back yet <laughs> because I keep forgetting. <laughs> Fair. Fair. You know, I mean, it has two of my favorite Marvel characters in Gabriel Summers and Black Bolt, who is mm-hmm. incredible. But I got it. It is. It, it, it's a it's a tough read at times. It's a yeah. tough read. I remember the War of Kings. Um, oh, was it War of Kings or was it Secret Invasion? I'm thinking about um Stephen Sage's like earliest Marvel covers that he did for the Inhumans crossover. I think it was for Secret Invasion, though. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah. Oh, but War of Kings best time to be an inhuman fan or best time to be like a cosmic marvel fan in general but that's aside from the point let's <laughs> thank you for the question joshua next question comes from our friend ed hey y'all hope you're doing well and had a great pre comic book day i did i hope you guys did too sure did. i didn't know that was a thing oh my god oh, <laughs> okay no. next, next time you're coming with us we went on a comic book crawl through like all of ohio we went to that's four different awesome. shops oh that's cool. I feel left out. Hey, there's always next just, year. That's the best thing about it, is that it will still come year. around next year. First Saturday of every May. That makes Except sense. last year, when it was in August. Yeah, because of that. Miss Rona. Um, <laughs> Miss Rona. We were in the middle of a Panera. Um, first question from Ed this week. What song from the Peacemaker soundtrack fits this team best? I think Monster would be killer for their montage. I think I agree because that's such a great song for them to be walking to. Um, I pulled it up on my Spotify. I think Kiss Me Deadly is the perfect song that Maddie would enjoy. Um, For sure. For sure. Um, Yeah, there's some fun ones in here. If you want some fun songs that I think they would dance to, you should check out my Madeline Pryor playlist, which is all vibes. Love that. I I love that Madeline Pryor is this character who has like canonically (laughs) driven people to hell. Mm-hmm. But like everyone's like Madeline Pryor's vibes. Yeah. I really yeah. appreciate that about her character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. That's that's how you know you've made it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do either of you have any songs from the Peacemaker playlist that are coming to mind? I'm looking through it right now. I don't know. I have also never seen that show. Oh no. I know that- it's a crime. Oh. This this is actually if you like the tone of this, I would say Peacemaker's like maybe two notches up. Like, see, I wa- in, in like I wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. I just have had so many other things on my yeah. priority list of watching. Fair. I feel it. 
Like we'll we'll, we'll make a pact. Hulu. We'll make a pact. I'll read Harleen and you watch <laughs> okay. Peacemaker. Okay. okay. Good. That's fair. That's a good one. But uh, <sighs> the, the one that pops up to me just looking at the list here is uh, Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Specifically the John Cena piano version. <laughs> that's that's what I want playing at the during the last you know the tableaus oh, at the end of the final issue. You're gonna break my you're gonna break my heart. Please it's the one. No. It's the one. I'm gonna go back because I I love listening to music while I read comics. <laughs> and now I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna reread this last issue and just play that <laughs> immaculate vibes. Uh, I will say from my Madeline Pryor playlist, the song I was listening to the most reading Hellions was definitely "My Evil Ways" by the Nearly Deads. Ooh, it's really fun. Yes, great song. <sighs> Thank you. I'm glad you know it. I'm so happy. <laughs> Any thoughts, Lexi? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love Thank the you. moment where you're like processing, like, do hmm. I? Oh, could like, I? Do I have what should I? Should no. I? No. I realize, no, I don't have to entertain this. No, I do not. No. <laughs> Number two, another a peacemaker question if you could have them do a peacemaker style intro what song would you pick no you can't say do you want to taste it oh, well no. that's not fair um <clears throat> let's see i just want like the most bullshit batshit song i can think of so i'm just gonna say man i feel like a woman by shania twain just because <laughs> i i want to see one. i want to see gray crow dancing to that one that's gonna be fun oh that could be really really good <laughs> That one's on my mind because of Dallas making me a yesified cowboy playlist. <laughs> oh, yeah. How's that been going? It's been going pretty good. I'm not going to say I'm a country fan, but I'm definitely buying a and, cowboy hat. And <laughs> did you see Shania Twain come to Coachella with Harry Styles? No, I did not. Look that up. Do yourself I will look that up. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a really... It, Made me want to cry a little bit that I didn't go wander around in the desert for a full day to have that experience. But here we are. Uh, I th- I think if there were, I think if there were two songs that I think would be really fun, um, "Dare" by Stan Bush would be wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're unfamiliar, if you were a child ever at any point and you watched the Transformers animated movie, it's the opening credits song, and it is. <laughs> Wonderful. So either that or you've got the touch would be oh incredible. My gosh. And I think it, it, it sticks in that like somewhat like 80s style power ballad stuff. I think it will work. Love that. Okay, Lexi, there was definitely no interruption there. Not um, at all. <laughs> do you have not once? Never would have happened. Do you have any song that you'd like to see as an intro for the Hellions? Mm, I would say Definitely Highway to Hell by AC. Oh, yeah. Because they're crazy. It suits them very much. Yeah. No, like that's that. actually perfect. Uh, make me think of Freak Like Me from Hailstorm. That would have been. <laughs> that's good. Yes. Okay. That would be great. Thank you. Number three, Mr. Sinister had a ground up personality change to Funny Evil from Basic Evil, which is for the best because the words scary and Mr. Sinister make me burst into laughter. If you could change a villain's personality like this, who would it be? Um, well, I know Joss Whedon would say Ultron, so um, Oof. I think that's a... Oof. Who are we yassifying? What villain would you yassify? Necro. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she already I- is yassifying. Yeah, she you is know what? Queen. 
can't can't argue against that. I'm gonna chime in because Dallas is in here and say Gorilla Grodd. Oh my god, yeah. Can that you imagine Christ, that would be his answer. Gorilla too. Grodd with the with the sinister cape being like, I made a city of gorillas. <laughs> I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into gorillas. Yeah, it's that's true. what it is. A hundred percent. It's true. Why oh. do I feel like Necra really is just the female Mr. Sinister? The more I think about it, the more it makes sense. I, I've never made that comparison. I want that essay on my desk wrong. by Monday. <laughs> hmm. Schnazzy outfits. Ooh. Just plain evil all the time. For fun. Yeah. You know what? Just for the hell of it, I would gasify General Zod. He's too uptight. Ooh. I would like to just like th- let's bring him down a little bit. He's like, like this Neil is bitch. <laughs> Neil bitch, kiss my boots. <laughs> okay, I got, that's the only answer I have for that. I'm so sorry. Critiquing other people's facial hair would be his thing. Oh my that god! Is, it's like what is that? A half stash? Look at this! Look at this beautiful goatee! Look at it! <laughs> can't i can't even it's like the um the gentle criminal from my hero academia <laughs> yes 100 percent. god i need that's to perfect. watch a new season that's Aww. my general zod um <laughs> four sinister is a chaotic character who's your favorite chaotic characters and why are they alistair and varick awesome cool fact i don't think i know who those are one second oh wait no are you talking varick from the legend of korra because yeah same oh 100 percent um, who's Alistair though? I don't. I, the only Alistair I know is Alistair Moody, and I can't do that. Nah. <laughs> um, do you? What are your favorite chaotic characters? Speaking just from my experiences with him, Quentin Quire has always been my yeah. favorite chaotic alt boy. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I dig him. I dig him a lot. Good. Good. I'm glad we got you on tape saying you dig the alt boy. Okay, that's cool. Cool. Cancel time. I I can't wait for this to pop up 10 years from now. Cancel me on Twitter. (laughs) So sorry for ending your career. (laughs) I've done it myself. Lexi, chaotic energy. Who who exudes it? Who do you love? Chaotic energy. Right now, frankly, my dog, because she's deciding to eat her food right behind me. Your wild child. Your wild child. My wild child. Yeah, listen to her. Oh, wow. She's going to town. She's a lab. She's swimming in her bowl. (laughs) Almost almost two years old, and she doesn't know how to chew with her mouth shut. That's insane. You got to... You got (laughs) to... I mean, there are plenty what? of thirty-year-old humans who I know <laughs> don't know how to do point. That. She is not a lady, that is for sure. Oh, and she's leaving now, so we're good. Oh, Back to my regular. She, she heard us talking shit. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Hmm, you're done. Okay, all right." Oh. But oh, chaotic energy. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot, but also I have no idea. Right. I can't think of any. I found it. I found the perfect one. My absolute favorite is Mister Nobody from Doom Patrol. Oh my! Ooh, gosh, hardcore. Yes. yes. No, the most chaotic energy. I think that Mr. I can't explain it, but Mr. Nobody reminds me of Toad from the Scarlet Vision and the Scarlet Witch because Wait. there's a part in it because he's in love with the Scarlet Witch until she gets pregnant. And then he's like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. 
what? <laughs> he like is being a menace in their life until she gets pregnant. And then he's like, nah, I'm fine. I'm just going to go. Bye. Toad is a menace to <laughs> yeah. in every incarnation. Chaotic. <laughs> <sighs> he he belongs in the pit. I'm glad he's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, good, good answer. I miss those. I, I need to read that book. Last question. You ever notice how the Hellions have a shirtless teammate but didn't all die in a multiverse-threatening event while... Meanwhile, the JL did die and they were all wearing shirts. Sincerely, Ed. You know what, Ed? I think you're full of shit. Yeah. You know, Ed, you're, you're, you're ridiculous. Um, I remember, I recall a equal amount of shirted and non-shirted individuals dying in that issue. And, um, in fact, you know, the, just, just because Grey Crow was out there, you know, bare chested didn't save him. So um, I think it actually just left him more vulnerable. And I will continue to stand on this hill. Um, Aquaman looks better with a shirt, period. End of end of discussion. Plus, Grey Crow totally did die. Oh, yeah. He, he got he, he got deaded mm-hmm. easily. And I mean, if we want to talk like exposed chests, I mean, empath directly gets <laughs> murked in the first arc. <laughs> That man has a deeper V than I've ever seen on anyone. I thought you were going to say, you want to talk about exposed chess, Maddie. And that she too. fucking shot. She has died multiple times. I'm just saying, just I, telling, I think it's worth studying. It's not a, it's not a good track record. I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now. Oh, anyways, nice try, Ed. Thank you very much. <laughs> Respect the hustle. <laughs> We got two more questions, and we'll go through them as fast as we can. Sorry, we are definitely running a little long on time today, but next one is from Tom. Hey, so say Scott and Jean have a kid. I know they already do, but bear with me. And Alex and Madeline also have a kid because Madeline is a clone of Jean. Would those two kids be cousins or siblings? Slash and siblings. All the best, Tom. Um, something wild? Yes. That I learned. It's a really useless fact, but I have it in my mind. If two sets of identical twins were to have children, they would be, and they, wait. So if two sets of twins, so like two boys Mm -hmm. and two girls got married, and then they had children, biologically those children are siblings. Yep. Nope. That that answers it. Yep. That checks out. Isn't that wild? Wow. Because they share, because identical twins have the same DNA. Yep. So I guess they'd be half siblings. Yeah. But aren't Scott and Alex just siblings though? Yeah, yes. They're, they're just so, siblings. No, they would just be cousins then. Well, if they if part of them comes from a clone. A clone, that genetic material would be theoretically exactly the same. So but it if depends. The father has different genetics. Yeah, that that's why they'd be half siblings instead of like Oh yes, okay. Yeah. Yes, I heard, yeah. <laughs> though though if we take into account like because obviously uh Gene and Scott have Rachel, but if we want to throw in Cable, who is Scott and Madeline's child, then it gets all kinds of wonky. <laughs> Rachel does call Cable brother. Oh, they would that's be true. siblings. They would be siblings. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So Thank that's you. good. I'm glad yeah. we had this this lovely <laughs> debate about situations that can actually happen in real life. Science. Um, <laughs> science. Welcome to Sinister's Geneticist Corner. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't even. <laughs> we broke Anne. Broker. This is the podcast within a podcast where we compare capes. The biologist <laughs> is crying. <laughs> Final question this week comes from 
I'm gonna say your 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 email name because it's so much fun. Um, amazing anchovy. <laughs> question for you guys. Hello, Comics Collective. I've got a question. That's what we're here for. Who's an X Men related character that you think deserves more recognition and love? I personally adore Strong Guy and wish he was in more stuff. All the best, Simon. Eric, wrap it up in ten seconds. Give me a single <laughs> X Men related character that deserves more love and affection. Scott Summers okay. deserves all the love Thanks and everyone for coming to the Comics Collective. Um, we're done. <laughs> we're done. We, we gave you a chance. And you, you chose wrong. <laughs> we were like, who's that Pokemon? And you guessed wrong. Pikachu! <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I've, I've, I will shout it from the mountaintops forever. Uh, Tabith Smith. Boom, boom. Needs to be in every single book, boom, boom. always. Read next wave. Read mm-hmm. next wave, because Tabitha can't canonically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lexi, who's an underrecognized X Men related character that you'd like to see more? Recognized mm-hmm. Shark Girl. Say Shark. Oh, Girl. Lady, Lady Mastermind. I think is your answer. Lady Mastermind. There we go. Honorable mention for Dallas. That is my answer. The end. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well um i think you all know what my answer is by now that's right it's surge she needs to get out of her racist arc and i want to see thank you (laughs) um yeah honestly though if you want to hear my take for all the most underappreciated x characters who deserve a time in the spotlight make sure you check out geeksplain podcast this week when we break down all of our best x-men teams and make sure you comment who has the best team it's definitely me and um yeah it's gonna well, be mine's the most fun <laughs> yours is the most fun yours is spring 100%. break fun yeah wants literally mine <laughs> oh, and with that being said that is every question we had this week thank you all for writing in and i hope we did all of your questions justice and you walked away from this feeling like a very smart and intelligent person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um absolutely good yeah, that's that's the that's our goal every week. It's never achieved. Um, <laughs> Maybe last week. Maybe last, Maybe last week. week. Yeah, last week was a learning experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with all that being said, Eric, again, I would like to thank you so much for coming here tonight and working with us through everything, all the ups and downs. You are absolutely phenomenal. What what do you have to plug today? Where can people find you, and what can they what can they expect going forward? Yeah, um, I I always love coming on this podcast. It is incredible. You both do excellent work, and Dallas is also there. Uh, no, Dallas is wonderful. Um, I love all three of you. It's so wonderful. It's legit. This is one of my favorite podcasts oh, thank of you. all time. Um, but yeah, if you want to check me out, uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at that daring man. Uh, that's my stuff i'm a voice actor alongside a comics nerd so i do stuff you've heard my voice at some point possibly uh for the podcast i run the geek explain podcast this week i will plug because i think it's appropriate mm-hmm. i have three of the best weirdos to ever guest on the podcast coming on to talk rebuilding the x-men for 2022 it's going to be a new annual tradition um and we're doing a whole month called x may where we are dedicating the entire month of may to the x-men uh last week's episode was just a ton of fun with uh the comics 
comic book couples counseling podcast where we talk about ex couples. Uh, next week, uh. I am chatting up uh, the pride of the X Men with Patrick H. Willems. We had a wonderful chat. That's going to be a blast to show you all and then uh, at the end of the month we're talking age of apocalypse with dave from the comic book herald so oh, wow lots of fun stuff <laughs> xma is a ton of fun and uh yeah if you want to follow up with that on every podcasting platform and if you want to follow on socials it's at geek explained pod that's at geek explained pod awesome thank you so much eric that was incredible. And that's such a good lineup. Oh my, like, oh my God. That's awesome. Um, excuse me. You got Cerebro and you're doing an interview with Kieran Gillen. So like, yes, we are. We're, we're on the yeah. same level. <laughs> we, we're, we're, we're keeping pace we're, with each other. We're doing some cool things. I really, appreciate, I really appreciate Dallas so much for pulling that Kieran Gillen interview mm-hmm. off. Oh. We, we joke about Dallas a lot, but Dallas really does pull everything every string here he puts all this together he is the the heart of this podcast mm-hmm. and we would not be here without him he is just the best and i hope he's listening to this and i hope he understands how much we love and appreciate him so he really is the egg nanny he the is the egg, he nanny. is the egg nanny he he takes care of all of us he's like come here let me nurse you and we're like back back up <laughs> back up stay away from me keep your puppet away too <laughs> <laughs> And then Dallas breaks the glass and starts trying to stab. People. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's actually the epitome of my New York experience. <laughs> true, very true. Oh, with all that being said, Lexi, would you like to send us off here? Oh, take it away! All right, everyone. If you like the show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective. It's really fun because I'm not the one that runs it. And you can find each of us at our personal accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review and we will read it off on the show. All right. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And yeah, we'll see you here next week for a couple of special things. First, you're going to see us here. We're going to have a special interview next week with David Papos talking all about his upcoming Savage Avengers and his newly announced um, tie-in to the Axe event, which features Ah. Susan Storm pulling a John McClane in the Baxter building, which, you know, as... um people who have definitely been very vocal about wanting to see some Susan Storm justice done. I We are very, very excited to see friend of the pod, David Papos, getting to write that. He's going to do her such justice. And make sure you tune in next week to hear all about that. That interview is happening tomorrow. I'm so excited. And also, make sure you tune back next Wednesday for our special episode talking all about the classic story, Dark Phoenix Saga, with Doug from For Every Kind of Geek. And it's going to be so much fun. Doug (laughs) is amazing. Very excited. Very handsome in person. Very cool person. Very handsome as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, that's what we have on tap. And we hope to see you again next week. We hope you enjoyed the show. And without, with nothing else to be said. Goodbye. I'm not Dallas. I don't know how to wrap this up. (laughs) Be the egg nanny to everyone else in your life. Be the egg nanny for everyone else in your life. Get out. Bye. (laughs)